0: What's going on everyone? It's your host, Chris Chavez, and on behalf of my co-host Leanne Sherrick, welcome back to another episode of the Runners of NYC podcast. It's been a while, but just like many people in America, we've been taking the time to really recognize that this is a moment in history to take action with the Black Lives Matter movement. So we've been spending the past couple weeks communicating, talking, listening, and helping ourselves understand the experiences of of black people in America in the wake of the deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. And so we certainly acknowledge within ourselves that there is a problem in this country and that true change comes from each person individually. You have to understand that the first step towards making any sort of progress for change is recognizing that there's a problem. So there's a lot of things that we can do as people to continue moving forward. There's obviously voting. There's educating yourself about your representatives in government. You can support black businesses. For us, we want to continue using this platform as a place to amplify and share the stories of black voices in our community. I had this conversation with someone recently who said that, you know, while the podcast, since its inception, has been nothing but good intention, it's actually time now to work toward better representation. And that's what we aim to do. That's where we aim to get better and hopefully see some change and progress moving forward. On Sunday, June fourteenth, friend of the podcast and recent guest, Coffee, organized a two mile protest run along the East River. Every runner who was there was asked to wear white and there was a sea of white T shirts and singlets just running down the East River. And after the short run, there was a panel of speakers Who were there to provide their own stories about their encounters with racism, their experiences with police, and what everyone can do to just go beyond improving the running community, but try and make life better for everyone. Because it's not the case. So, while I threw out a couple ideas just now of things you could probably do, you're going to hear from crew leaders from throughout the city of different ways that you can make a change. So it was a warm day on Sunday. Not everyone stayed for the duration of all the speeches. Leanne and I were there, and we were really moved by everyone who took the megaphone. There was a live stream of the speakers, and then afterwards, Coffee granted us permission to share those talks with you guys, the listeners, in case you weren't able to stay for the full thing or if you weren't able to make it in the first place. So this is the first of many runs that coffee wants to organize. So to start this off, we're going to have coffee to explain the idea for how this protest came about. And after that, I will be interjecting occasionally to introduce each one of the following speakers. Uh, it's something that Power Malu did at the uh, live event, but for the podcast sake, we're going to condense some of those introductions very briefly so that you can listen to this either all in one sitting or. There will be timestamps in the show notes where you can pick up on where each speaker left off so that you can consume and really listen and, and, and take in what everyone was saying because I feel like their message was special. So without further ado, let's kick it off with coffee.
1: And this is how the idea sparked. While running, I was trying to figure out what needs to be done because like a lot of you guys, I'm actually sick of this shit. And I figured the one thing that I could do was roll my voice to the running community because some of you guys are actually trained. The, the majority of you guys are actually seen somewhere, whether it was Central Park, Manhattan Bridge, Williamsburg Bridge, we all share the same highway, same streets, same bridges. So I figured this could be a good way, but I didn't know it would turn out to be what I'm seeing now. I thought it would be at least like 40 to 60 people. And I can see now that my math was completely off. But I was never good at math anyway, so. But I say this um, listen, I've been uncomfortable since I was 13 years old. At the age of five, I don't know how many of you guys actually know Emmett Till, but. My grandfather uh, made sure that my family knew about Emmett Till because he knew that he couldn't sugarcoat and say that that didn't happen to us. So every day I got home since kindergarten, I actually had to report to him something new about Emmett Till and his uncle and his mom where they came from in the Midwest down south where he was actually murdered and the killers got away. I say that because what happened to Omar Arbery is the exact same thing that happened to Emmett Till. It just happened differently and in our eyes, and it just took them away for a long time to keep the guys who actually did it. It's a shame that it happened in February and didn't get public until two months later. So we stand here together now because, again, I feel like the running community. We can help each other. Look out for each other. Look to your left. Look to your right. Get familiar with the faces. It's okay to speak. If you see me out there on the street, it's okay to give me a head nod. You don't have to put your head down to run by. I'm not gonna bite you. I'm doing the same thing you're doing, trying to stay in shape. I got stopped by the cops many a nights. I will go to. I'm sure you guys know I, I didn't want this to be brand-affiliated. I didn't want any sponsorships because I wanted to see everybody come. But I, I will say, a lot of you guys know I run from Nike, and that's where I trained half of you guys at. And what you don't know is that I used to run home from where I worked with Nike, and I would get stopped crossing the bridge because I'm black. I would get stopped walking, running in Brooklyn Heights because I'm black. I got stopped on my wife's birthday because I'm black and didn't have an ID, and that happens over and over and over and over again. I have kids. My twins are six years old. My daughter is nine. My oldest is 21. Yes, he's 21. I started ill, but. It's a shame that they are actually a talking. I have to tell my nine-year-old daughter that. I have to tell my twins that. My six-year-old, literally, just two days ago, my wife called me in the middle room to let me know what my six-year-old was, what she was saying. She had to repeat it. She's afraid of being black. She's scared of being black we was to take her outside. She didn't want to go outside anymore because she thought she was about to get killed, or she thinks she's about to be murdered. Kids are paying attention to every single thing that's going on, you have to understand that. Can't sugarcoat this thing. So we don't in my household. Another reason why I decided to have this thing is because after doing the Runners of New York City podcast, also, going the outdoor podcast, outdoor magazine podcast, I realized I got a lot of DMs from people and they was asking me how how can they help. And the majority of the people that was asking me were white people. And I responded to some. The ones that I didn't know personally, I couldn't respond because I didn't know, you know who they were. So I didn't want to offend anyone. So that's another reason why I'm glad to see you guys here because. means a lot to me to see that you guys actually are about to create change, that you guys are actually serious about it this time around, because it's been happening before all of us were born, so we didn't start it, we didn't create it, but we can finish this shit all together. more time. But um, I do have two more things to say. And to all my friends that are here, I, I, you know, all you guys I consider friends because we all hunters. We all hunters And I would love for us to like just join hands together and run together. shouldn't have to things like this before. our name brands and still do what we do best. But the one question that I've been answered, asked all the time is what can we do, what can I do? The best thing that I can come up with, and it's the only answer that I'm going to say here, is you people have, white people, you, you, you have to pay attention to Say this. Pay attention to what they're doing on social media because nine times out of ten they're being recruited by these brotherhood white supremacist And I know some of you are saying, no, that's not it. Trust me. When you see a young guy, he's not born a racist. When you see a young girl, she's not born a racist. She's taught how to be racist. And a lot of parents. Some of you are very fortunate enough to hire babysitters. You're really not paying attention to your kids when they're on their iPads or their phones. But you know who is? The white supremacist that's trying to bring them over, to cross them over, and to feed them knowledge that you guys aren't taking advantage of by doing that at home. I know this because I looked it up, but I also know this because I'm from the country. I had a best friend who was a white guy. He had no clue what his son was doing. He went in his room because the teacher called him and told him how his son was active. He couldn't believe it because his son was getting all A's. A's and B's, nothing less. And this was like two years ago. When he finally caught up with his son, he exchanged phones with his son because they had the exact same phone. His son goes to school with his phone, he kept his son's phone. He went inside the phone, and he found out that his son wasn't hanging out with his girlfriend. He didn't have a girlfriend. His friends were all white supremacists in Hendersonville, North Carolina. That's where he was going. And he was doing a lot of crazy things that he had no business doing. He wasn't raised that way. In the South, guys, you need know, black or white? Where I'm from, i see so much racism that here, I'm used to it. It's nothing new. It's nothing new to me. It's nothing new. So to move forward, if we can just join hands, we're gonna continue this dialogue. This is the very first one. This is not the last one, and you best believe that. So the next one, I want to actually see more. I won't say 40 to 60, before. yeah, I want to see two thousand. All right, so thank you guys for coming out.
0: Here is Pastor Craig Holliday from the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Hey,
2: uh, Paul, It's an nice honor to be out here with you guys. Um, I think this is so important. Uh, what, uh, what Brother coffee has done and all the other work groups have put together and everything that's going on everything that's going on. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. So I thought it was interesting because when Paul looked back and said, Pastor Craig, and I said, yeah, I get that all the time. People look at me and go, you're a pastor? And I go, yeah, I am. And I know a lot of times uh, some of you are sitting there going, oh man, they gave the pastor the uh, megaphone and He's going to be here for a long time. I, I'm not. And Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Turn your neighbor? <laughs> turn your neighbor. No, I'm not going to do a turn to your neighbor. <laughs> but what I am going to say is this. I could never imagine that coming out of 2019 that we would be faced with a pandemic called COVID-19. But the pandemic that this is all about is the pandemic that America has been dealing with the, for over the past 400 years called racism racism, structural racism, racism against black and brown people, and so I wanted to let you know that the Bible does speak about racism. A lot of people say, you know, how is God relevant in these times? What's going on? If if he's such a loving God, why don't people, uh, why doesn't he get involved in what's going on? And so I just wanted to let you know what his heart is, and I just wanted to be real brief about it. Because in His Word, it does say something about justice. It says a lot about justice. And so I wanted to read two verses and just pray with you guys. And it says this in Proverbs 31, verse 8, it says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Verse 9, yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. And so by God's heart is about justice. God's heart is about justice. And let me say this, due time, because he's a very patient, he's very sovereign, and he's very he's, he's all about justice. And so that being said, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and I just want to pray to get this over with, to get this started. <laughs> Not over with, to get it started. I know some of you are happy I'm over You
3: want to get
2: <laughs> Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you. We thank you for the RUN community. But most of all, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the sun that's shining on our face, the breath in our lungs. Father, because it's a gift from you. It's not something that we earned, but you smiled on us today, and you allowed us to breathe. To come out here and show support to protesting against injustice so God, we know, Lord, that it's a gift because there were those who went to sleep last night who had plans for today, but they didn't awaken. But God, every day that you give us, I pray that each and every one of us will know what you have for us for that day, oh God, that we would look reflectively in the mirror of our hearts and recognize that you have a plan and a mission for each and every one of us. That's why you've given us the breath of life. And God, I just pray, Lord, that your justice, your will be done, O oh God. You are a God of justice. And I pray, Lord, that you would tear down any system that would oppress anyone, O oh God, regardless of what their color is, their economic status, O oh Lord. Father, we know, Lord, that you come against those things. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, against any injustice, I pray, Lord, that your your love, Lord, will just permeate all over this country, all over this world, O oh Lord. And God, I just pray, that you would begin to open up a dialogue, that we would be uh, encouraged and be uh, courageous about having those difficult and uncomfortable conversations, no matter where we are within our circle of influence, so that we can begin to move forward on this issue of racism. And so, Lord, we thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Amen. Thank you, God bless you.
0: Pastor Craig was followed by New York City Parks Commissioner Mitchell Silver.
4: Happy Sunday, everyone. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. And you're wondering, what is the commissioner doing out here? (laughs) One, this is my park, but not beside that. (laughs) I'm a black man. I'm a commissioner. And when all this started... I had to write a note to my staff, and it took me some time to reflect on what was going on. The first thing we have this pandemic going on that is disproportionately affecting black and brown communities. Now we've been fortunate at Parks, we lost three. Every death is a tragedy, but we lost three. But our staff members lost a lot, a lot of family members. And I write condolence letters every Monday out to staff, but there's one where I had to stop because I couldn't even sign it, it was so painful. Because I I get the names of who passed away, and I write it to that person, and I had to write for this one, because it's mothers and grandmas of your beloved uncle, your beloved aunt, and four cousins from the same household, an entire part of that family wiped away. So, people are dealing with a lot. On top of that, we hear about Brianna Taylor. In her home, a frontline essential worker shot eight times, no one to this point has been brought to justice. Road runners, we heard of Ahmed Arbery, Ahmoud Arbery, shot while running. Again, we just frustrated, but don't know what to do. It happens again. Then, I'm here at home on a set I'm sorry on a Monday, and everybody's sending me this video clip of something that happened in Central Park. I'm like, what's going on? And they show me the video of here is this beautiful black brother just watching birds, telling someone, please, you put the leash on your dog. And now we see this videotape. When I saw it, it was 400,000 views. The next day, it was 40 million. And we saw firsthand how this person, this white woman, had the power to potentially destroy this man's life and then we heard about george floyd enough is enough it is too much and as a black man and all this going on i felt so liberated because it was like a scam being pulled off and everything i had suppressed my entire life came flowing back yes i'm a commissioner but you have to suppress everything and people of color know what i'm talking about We have to check our blackness. We have to check it at the door before we can do our job. And I spoke to my white colleagues and I said, look, I understand you care. None of you have to check your culture when you walk in. But we are afraid of retaliation and retribution if we just come to the work as we are. Black, Latino, queer, trans. We have to check it at the door. I'm tired of it. I want to be me. I want to be a black man. time to ask what we can do But right now the question is if you wife white ask someone how do you feel how do you feel we'll get to the do later and we had to save space with my staff we start to share and yes the stories would bring tears to your eyes but the one that got me the most is that they're saying i can't breathe in the office i can't be me i have to suppress these things witness a person die and i got to go back to work I can't breathe in the office, I need that safe space where I can breathe and grow and see that there's a better tomorrow for me and my children. And So that's what I'm committed to doing, that's what we should be committed to do, is make sure there's a safe space where people can share. We'll get to the doing, but just ask them, how do you feel? And be ready, because the pain is deep. Last point I want to make is why do I march, protest, and run, even though I'm a commissioner Health the consequences, I have to speak my heart and my mind. My friend Ava won't like me saying this, but in two weeks, I'm gonna be 60 years old. why I march. Both my sons have been victims of racial profiling and one of them ain't handling too well. And as a father, what breaks me up is I I could not be there to protect them, to be there, to help them through that. It's a damage that they're carrying with them for the rest of their life. This runs deep. And the only crime they committed was that they were black and they were stopped again and again and again just like brother coffee and it gets to you and so my oldest grandson just graduated from high school i march and walk so that this has to stop enough is enough black lives matter and i'll keep walking until we get justice racial justice social justice black lives matter enough is enough black lives matter black lives matter
0: Commissioner Silver was followed by my Brooklyn Track Club teammate, Cheryl Donald. She is also one of the co-captains of the team, and it was her birthday. Can
5: everyone hear me okay? No? No? Can you hear me? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. I'm 45, so... So I'm going to... Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to try and uh, share my experience coffee I think share my experience as a black woman in America. Um, This is one experience. You talk to one black woman, you have one black woman's experience. Uh, Before I start, because I don't speak for us all, but I think what I have to share will at the very least provide some enlightenment to our fellow runners. So if you don't mind, I would like all of my black sisters, women of color to please stand. Stand so we can be seen. I'll rise. Did you want to see me broken? Bowed head and lowered eyes? Shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful pride. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard, because I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words. You may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hateful. But still, like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise? That I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I am a black ocean, leaping and wide. Welling and swelling, I bear the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. Bringing the gifts from my ancestors' Gay, I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise. We rise. Thank you, my sister. I talked white, I was too proper, if only they knew that my dark skin and thicker build kept me outside of the inner circle of those white friends, often left out of party invites, subjected to questions about hair texture and commentary considered racist by any definition, but par for the course for a young girl trying to find acceptance. I attended college at the University of Mississippi. My uncle, Cleveland Donald, was the second person to integrate the university after JFK sent in the National Guard once the campus erupted in riots behind integration. One generation before me, in 1962. My uncles, father, brother, and cousins all attended Ole and I pled <laughs> A historically black sorority founded in 1930. I pledge for the sisters, the opportunity for public service, but primarily I pledge for the bonding with black women and the black community I miss growing up. In. My middle-class upbringing, disciplined and respected military kid demeanor, has made me mostly non-threatening to white people. My dark skin left me rejected by both white and black people who consider lighter black skin a higher standard of beauty. When I walk into a room, nobody knows my history, nobody knows my pedigree. I'm not given the benefit of the doubt. Looking at me, you would never know that I head the New York office of one of the largest federal agencies in the U.S. Department of Health and Thank you. May be too difficult. Have an attitude. Be mean. Lazy. Combative. And all of my sisters know. Angry. If I don't have the benefit of demonstrating my work, I have the very real possibility of becoming the next Breonna Taylor, the next Sandra Bland, or the next Jayla Martin my first experience in overt racism did not come in Mississippi. It happened in Nassau County, New York, when I tried to rent my first solo apartment in 1998. As we continue the dialogue today, I challenge you all to check your assumptions about who Black women are and reflect on every micro and macro aggression you have displayed toward us that further the society's narrative that our black womanhood doesn't deserve respect and that our black lives don't matter because they matter. Every day I matter. Every day we matter. Black lives matter. Yeah.
0: Cheryl was followed by Daoyi Chow, who was a previous guest on this podcast and one of the founders of Old Man Run Club.
6: I actually didn't want to use a megaphone because I'm super anxious and paranoid about this COVID shit. Um, so we fuck fucking, here I go. Um, um, I just want to thank coffee and power and, and everyone that put this together. For us to be able to come out together as a, as a community as a run community, which is our first and direct connection to each other. But beyond just this community, we're all part of several different communities, right? I represent a handful of different communities. You represent a handful of different communities. And the important thing is to recognize that to recognize that we all have our own individual circles of influence. We heard the pastor say that earlier today. That while we're here because of the running community, we're actually here because we represent different communities, whether that's your neighborhood, whether that's your industry that you work in, whether that's your family at the smallest level. And this is how things are going to change, starting at the smallest level, starting with your family, starting with your own communities, starting with your neighborhood, starting with the places that you work at, at the micro level, at the smallest level, at the local level, that that's where change is going to start. And if you feel like you don't know what to do, you don't and you, you don't know where to start, start at your home, start with your family, start in your neighborhood, start in the communities that you are directly representing. That is where the change is going to start. That is where the organization needs to start. So it's one thing for us to all come out here and give our messages, but if we don't share that same message and we don't bring that back at the smallest level, then none of this matters. That means understanding the district that you live in. That means understanding the elected officials that represent the districts that you live in. That means voting in or voting out the assembly members, the congressmen, the people that represent your specific community. Because we're going to affect more change at the local level than we could at the national level. We understand what's happening November 3rd. We understand, we hear people say that that's the election of our lifetime. But actually, the elections of our lifetime are happening right now. And so if you don't understand the smallest community that you can start, then you're missing the target. If running has taught us anything, It's taught us to stay active, right? We have, we have the the notion of active recovery. Where you keep moving, no matter how much you just ran, no, no matter how long you just ran, no matter how fast you just ran, you keep moving. You don't stop. Once you stop, you lose the progress. So we talk about active recovery. You keep moving once you stop. You get complacent. And complacency only breeds. Stagnation. It only reinforces the status quo. And the last thing we need is to stop and accept the status quo. The last thing we need. It's to think, let's just move slowly. We are witnessing history right now. We are in historical times. That if you don't catch the moment right now, you're never going to get the chance to catch it again. <clears throat> Understand in 50 years when they look back at this time, They can say some real change happened during this time. And that's only if you stay active. So if you feel like I've done enough, I've done my post, I showed up to the run. I maybe went to a protest. It's not enough. You can't stop there, you gotta keep going. You've got to stay active. Just look at what's happening now in the streets now. That's all because of the youth. That's all because of the energy of the youth that they're not stopping. They know we can't stop. So if you don't know what to do, get out of their way. Get the fuck out of their way and let them do their thing. If you don't know who to follow, you don't know who to read. Look at the black feminists like Miriam Praber, Anthony Davis. Oh, I'm sorry. Angela Davis. Excuse me. Ruth Wilson... Gilmore they've been spitting that shit about defunding the police the abolitionist movement start there the change can't be small so I'm just going to leave it um, I want to read a passage um, by Gordon Parks, the late, great Gordon Parks. If you don't know who he is, he's probably the most important photographer in our lifetime in the 20th century. He was an author, a composer. He was a filmmaker and obviously a photographer who focused on race, racial justice, poverty, urban rights. And he was set uh, on assignment back in 1968 to shoot a family, a a West Indian family living in Harlem called the Fontanelli's. And This was thanksgiving of 1968 he was sent to shoot there for time magazine and the photo that wound up being the cover of time that month was a picture of their youngest son three years old with a single tear coming down his cheek because he was so hungry the only thing that he could eat it goes. So he he took the pictures, but he also wrote, he wrote the intro to the piece. For I am you staring back from a mirror of poverty and despair. Need to be is what you are. I am you staring back from a mirror of poverty and despair of revolt and freedom. Look at me and know that to destroy me is to destroy yourself. You are wary of long hot summers and I am tired of the long hungered winters. We are not so far apart as it may seem. There's something about both of us that goes deeper than blood or black and white. It is our common search for a better life, a better world. I march now over the same ground you once marched. I fight for the same things you still fight for. My children's needs are the same as your children's. I too am America. America is me. It gave me the only life I know. So I must share in its survival. Look at me, listen to me. Try to understand my struggle against your racism. There's yet a chance for us to live in peace beneath these restless skies. Thank you. Black Lives Matter.
0: After Dow, we got Mike Sayes, who is considered the godfather of the New York City urban running scene since he started Bridge Runners in the early 2000s.
7: My daughter's today. I'm not missing It's awesome. Both, both of my kids are doing a lot of kind of political things, not through me, but I see their posts and I guess because they grew up in New York, they experienced all these things that I did and, and that we all are, um, but it's also awesome because this is happening in their lifetimes and like, you know, I've been a community organizer for a long time. Uh, this shirt is from 2005. We run in peace and that's what this movement has always been about. And uh, I showed that to my kids, and you know that's why they're doing so well because of everybody out here showing them that it's not impossible to run a marathon. It's you know, and it's it's easy to make new cool friends. And uh, to be brief, um, the running movement, the bridge runners, you know, it was about the bridges. what, What was on the other side? The taco spot, the margarita spot—it's always been about bridging the cultures, New York, Brooklyn, Queens, wherever there was a bridge. And, um, and bridge the gap became actually the gap between non-running runners like myself and runners like just over there that were serious runners. And I was like, wow, you can never have you know people running in vans. And, and, and Converse Chucks or whatever, running with, with pros. And that's how we bridged the gap. And then all, you know, I thought like, well, there's bridges everywhere, but there's, what's gonna be next? Like, what's gonna ha- Like I knew it was more than New York City. And then London and all this other stuff popped up and that became Bridge the Gap. But what I want you guys to understand is what we're doing here is happening everywhere else from our brothers from our btg people like and we're leading like bridge runners started we started running bridges in 2003 but this is this is so global like when you asked me about this i said well how big do you want it to be we did to stop the violence and that was 55 cities around the world and that was like five six years ago so this is like the beginning still hopefully it's the beginning of the end of all that bullshit and my kids could say, Hey, remember when it was illegal to be black and that doesn't happen anymore. Like hopefully that's a memory. And I think these things are the most important because we are out there in the front. And I think the next step is to make it cool to vote. I think we made it cool. I don't know if you guys know what running was like in 2003, 2004, but it was not cool. It was jobbers in the park we made running cool, and I think we need to make voting cool. I think we need to do uh, registration runs, we need to run people to the polls, uh, we need to do voter block parties and celebrate the act of voting. Because so that's really where it is. It's 18, it's 18 year olds that are gonna switch this whole shit up if they don't vote. So let's give them a reason to vote, let's give them people to, to elect, because that's where the, our real power is, you know, take it away from the money and give it back to the people. And so I think, you know, cruise days, and we should focus on getting people ready to fucking vote for everything, for everything. The dog catcher, right? All, 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 all the above. So I think that's where this movement needs to go. Thank you.
0: After Mike, we hear from Jesse Zappo, who was one of the original members of the Bridge Runners and the founder of Girls Run NYC. All
8: right, so I'm nervous, but I'm honored and it is a privilege to be here today. I wrote some things down, so please bear with me because once I get up in front of people, I go blank sometimes. And this is not a moment to be silent, so I'm going to try to say what I want to say. For those of you who do not know me, um, I am a coach, I am an art therapist, I'm a mental health professional, um, I've been working with young people for 20 plus year career in the nonprofit sector. I work in the for-profit sector sometimes, um, and I am the founder of a group called Girls Run NYC, I just want to shout out. I want to say today that most importantly i am an original member of the new york city bridge runners and i'm actually really um thankful to be going behind sace because i would like to talk a little bit about mike sace today because i know that he is shy and um and i spent a lot of time with him i ran a lot of miles with him we spent a lot of Moments together that were very influential in my life. And so I want to talk a little bit about the history Because the history is important to why we are here today as urban runners If you are here today as an urban runner, you are here today because of Mike Sace You are here today because of the New York City Bridge Runner Whether you know it or not, it was a movement that was created by this gentleman next to me. We're here because, as Mike says, Mike tell the story, but I'm going to retell it in my own version. He took a radical act of care for a loved one, a child of his that needed to be picked up from school, and he ran across the Williamsburg Bridge. He was having lunch at Peter Luger's, I think. And that was the beginning of this idea of bridge runners. He can tell you if you want to know more, you got to show up to Bridge Runners. Bridge Runners was and is a radical movement. It was created to give health and fitness through running to people who did not look like runners. It was and has always been an inclusive space that actively fought against the status quo of who was dominant in the running space, the white male patriarchy. Bridge Runners has sparked a global movement that has gotten thousands of people moving around the world. The origination of Urban Running crews, the Urban Running Movement was here in New York City. And it's still probably the most vibrant running community in the world. And I can say that, yeah. from traveling to a lot of other cities around the world through running. And I look around and I've probably ran a lot of miles with a lot of people here, and hope to continue to do that. We are setting the tone for the world and eyes are watching us and they have been watching us. This movement has changed the course of countless lives, probably everyone here, but it's also captured the attention of major corporations because those companies saw a much wider audience for their products than they had previously imagined. So I want you to also think about that too, is that we have the power, we have the power We also have the power as consumers. I hate that word. But as consumers, we can control how brands operate. just want to throw that out there. So fast-forwarding to today. There are a lot of people here who I've never seen before. Well, I can't really tell because I can only see eyes. But I hope that we are continuing to evolve what urban running means and what it should be. That the very act of running together is a radical movement. That us being here today and moving our bodies together is the beginning of a radical movement. All right, so I'm also an educator and I'm gonna give some homework as well. And first off, could you raise your hands and can you clap if you've ever ran with the New York City Bridge Runners? If you have not, your homework is to show up on a Wednesday. I'm serious actually, very serious, you gotta show up. So there's a couple of rules, and I hope I'm saying this right, you can let me know. couple of rules, leave no one behind. That has always been a rule with bridge runners, leave no one behind. That applies much bigger than running. There's another rule. Just show up. Just show up. That is much bigger than running. Everything we are doing is so much bigger than running. Running brings us together, and thank God for that. But just show up and keep showing up. Coach Amira Omar. She says this all the time. I'm so um, grateful for her that we get to work together on so many levels. She says, keep showing up keep showing up. We have to keep showing up. As a running coach, I'll use the metaphor of the marathon. For those of you who've had the opportunity, the privilege to train for a marathon, you don't just just show up to the marathon, right? You have to show up every single day to put the work in to get there. And once that marathon's over, what do you usually do? You sign up for another one. So... Think about it like this, like it could feel exhausting and overwhelming, right, but the reality is it's small steps every day. And I hope to be running for my whole life, I'm sure Sace is going to be running for his whole life, and I hope all of you here are looking at running as something you want in your lives forever, not just a bucket list. So let's think about that too, is you got to take care of yourself and that means you show up but you also rest and you recover. And you do all the things to take care of your mind and your body so that you can continue to show up. And now as a white woman who leads several communities that are diverse communities, I want to speak to the white people here and allies, or hopefully future allies. If you are a white person who is creating spaces, specifically in running, because we're talking about running right now, Look around you in your space, whether it's an event, a race, a club, a crew, whatever. If your space is not diverse, I want you to ask yourself these questions. What am I doing consciously or unconsciously to create this space that is not inclusive? What is is my responsibility? I also want you to have some more homework. Because if you're afraid to use your voice or if you're worried you might say the wrong thing or that's not good enough, you're right. Words are not enough. Good intentions are not enough. You have to follow it up with action. And I want you to think about this in the same way that we think about training, right? So there's a coaching rule, which is that daily action or stress must be followed by periods of rest and growth. Daily action, daily action, that is so important. You also need to rest. And that is going to produce change. So consistent efforts over time, consistent efforts over and over again are going to produce change. So like Dao you said, complacency or being comfortable is going to lead to stagnation. So let's not, let's not get comfortable. This is a lifelong process. Just show up and keep showing up.
0: Thank you. After Jesse, we got one of the early guests on this podcast, a good friend of ours, and the co-founder of We Run Uptown, Hector Espino. First
9: and foremost, Black Lives Matter. Yes. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. I wouldn't be from uptown if I didn't get up here and say, yeah,
4: Yeah.
9: I need a little bit more than that. Yeah,
4: Yeah.
9: guys, good afternoon. I wrote something down and then I'm going to get a little personal. So I'm going to read that. Bear with me. Rue Crew, we run uptown, is and has always been committed to uplifting black and brown bodies through running. We invite all of you to come uptown and run with us. The people closest to the problem are the ones closest to the solution. My entire life, I've witnessed the 33rd precinct and the 34th precinct terrorize uptown. While watching uh, the George Floyd video, what resonated the most with me was uh, when he cried out for his mother. When I was 16, I had my first encounter with the 33rd precinct. I was learning how to drive at the time, and my father would make me wait for him downstairs and he would teach me how to park the car. My dad got out of work at 4 o'clock, he worked up the block at the hospital. By 4.08, he would be in front of the building. Um, That day, I I waited for my dad with a Malta. Uh, all of my Latinos, all of my Caribbean people know what I'm talking about. Uh, there, there's no alcohol in that whatsoever. The way, the way me and my dad would drink it, we would add condensed milk and some ice. So I waited for my dad with two styrofoam cups in front of my building. The car was on, and I was really excited to move the car. By 425, my dad and me, my dad and I were in handcuffs because the cops thought we, had a, we were drinking open container and uh, the first thing I did was yell out to my mom. Um, so that really, that really hit close to home. The person that, that was supposed to protect me, similar to what, what bitch said earlier, my dad was in handcuffs and I was in handcuffs in front of my building for no fucking reason. We weren't doing anything bad and I was scared. Um, if anyone, who has been stopped and frisked here? Raise your hand. Stop and frisk, stand up, stop and frisk. If you've been stopped and frisk before, raise your hand. I don't give a fuck how gangster you think you are, how tough you think you are. That is the scariest
4: thing ever.
9: You don't know what's gonna happen. It's your word against the cop's word. You know, that was my first encounter with the NYPD and uh, I had many more after that. When real crew first started running, we, we didn't look like runners. Um, josh and i at that point we really didn't want to mess with the NYPD. we wanted to do things our way we wanted to get the community moving we thought by running we weren't doing anything wrong that first year we got stopped and frisked so many times um we would meet on 165th and riverside drive most of the people that met there to run were caucasian they were white they did not look like us we were not breaking any rules it was a very few of us maybe four or five people And that was it. The cops would stop us and ask us what we were doing and we would tell them running, but that wasn't enough. We got searched, we got stopped, and uh, it was very disappointing. As we grew, we decided to walk into the precinct, speak to community affairs, to do things the right way. That was also not enough. They did not want to work with us. They didn't see the value in what we were doing for the community. Um, I see Bruno over there. Uh, We, our third root crew barbecue, the NYPD showed up and shut it down. We had uh, maybe four lieutenants come, a bunch of cop cars, and they said that our barbecue had the potential to become dangerous. There were people barbecuing at the park at the same time, but we know why it happened, you know? Um, that's I just wanted to get a little personal. I love you all, and we have to do more, you know? We have to, we have to continue working together to stop this. Black Lives Matter. That's it,
0: guys. Right after Hector, we got Julissa Tejada from Willpower Fitness.
9: Hi,
10: everybody. So I'm going to share a few experiences growing up as a Latina black woman with my family. We're all here because of racism. And we cannot stay silent. Everybody needs to speak up, whether you're white, black, black. Chinese, whatever, you need to speak up. It's happening to everyone. I remember when I was 19 years old, I was in my bed. My brothers were in my next room. I lived in housing. And um, all I know is that I had a bunch of cops in my face dragging me out of my bed, out of my bed. And I have a mentally disabled brother, which he doesn't really understand what's going on. My youngest brother is, his skin is really, really dark, so he's always been profiled, unfortunately. So they pull us out of our rooms, throw my brothers on the floor. My brother that doesn't understand what's happening because he has a mental disability but the cops are not asking questions. They did not knock. They destroyed everything. And guess what? I had to beg them, beg them not to touch my brother because I was afraid they were going to shoot him. This shit has been happening for years, years and years, and it continues to happen. And this is our chance. This has to end now. I had to beg him and explain to him what was happening, explain to him my brother's mental disability. Guess what? They had the wrong apartment. Of course they did. They just assumed because my brother's dark skin, it was him, not my sex or neighbor that was white. And that is what's happening every single day but now it's being recorded. Another thing we need to educate our children. I brought my son here tonight. He needs to know what to do. He needs to also stay safe. You know, he needs to know what to do when he's with his friends. He's going to be 14 years old. I'm afraid for him. It's happening everywhere and now everything that's happening, that everyone is speaking up, things are more crazy. So we need to educate our children, our families also. Everyone needs to know what's happening. You can't stay quiet. And some of us, we stay quiet because we just don't want to get involved. You're doing the wrong thing. You need to speak up. You need to educate your peers, your team, everyone. Um, I'm really passionate about it. Um, the last two weeks I've been really like sick, emotionally, it has affected me drastically. I might not always show it. And let me tell you something, not everything on social media. Sometimes there's a whole lot of hype. Mm -hmm. A lot of people need healing. A lot of people are tired. A lot of people are hurt. We need to make sure amongst ourselves. Another thing, we need to stay more united. There's no separation here. There ain't no Dominicans and Blacks. No, we're all Black here. Well. Guess what? That's how it's done. I don't wanna hear no other nonsense. Um, and that's it. I'm gonna, you know, cut it short and sweet. This is for me and Will. Um, I love you guys. We're willpower. We're everywhere. We're not in just one place. We're not just one crew. We got true love for everyone. Everyone is always welcome. And if you know me, you know that. Love you guys. Have a
0: great one. After Julissa, we got Jason Fulford, who is the cousin of Eric Gardner and one of the organizers of the Run for Justice in Eric's memory. There was a recent piece on Jason in The New Yorker, so go and check that out. The Run for Justice will actually be back on July 18th virtually, so look out for more information on that. Here's Jason.
3: Can everybody hear me? Yeah. All right. Um, I'm gonna just need you to give me a few minutes and I want your attention and your energy. Send me all of your energy because I'm big on that. And recently on Friday, something was released, a piece on me that I did for the New Yorker. Um, I'm not here to promote that, but I would like everybody to check it out because one thing I feel like I've done as a black man is I've held so much in and I haven't told my true story. Eric Garner is my cousin, but let's go back to 1994. Raise your hand if you know who Nicholas Hayward Jr. is. That's exactly what I thought. He was a 13-year-old friend of mine that was murdered by a police officer because he was playing in his stairwell with a toy gun. So like Carpe, when I was 13, I understood what a black life was worth. I understood that I was already being viewed as, as a threat. And what else was my friend Nicholas supposed to do? He lives in a project. He was just playing with his friends in the staircase because that's the space they have available for them. And he had to die and lose his life that day. 1994, Nicholas Hayward Jr. And these are the stories that we do not know. Montee Smalls, another person that resided in Gowanus housing, was killed early 2000. You could look that up. He was a drug addict. Unfortunately, had mental health issues, was unarmed, and he is dead now. Gowanus is a few miles just right over the bridge, downtown Brooklyn area, right by Smith Street. And the reason I decided to share my story about Eric and you know what my family has went through since then is because I want to encourage everybody to share their story because that's what it's really about. We have to share our stories. And you know what, it's both sides. You gotta share how your people are acting too, if you're white. Check them, hold them accountable, because that's the only way things will change. If we do not hold each other accountable every single day, what we are allowing to do is to continue to teach hate. Because you know what, whether you're having a micro or macro aggression against somebody, it is a form of hate. And you're just continuing to teach that. And thank you, Jalissa, for bringing up education. This is the biggest classroom right here. I'm an educator, but this stuff ain't taught in a classroom. You got to teach this. So whatever circle you have access to, whatever you can do as a person, as an individual to reach others and understand that we're all affected by hate, you are doing an injustice. So check yourself sometimes. Because you know what? I'm not going to hold back no more. I've had to switch up who I am so many times, because I was in a gifted program when I was five years old at PS 261, and I was in that program because my mom was a teacher, so she had me take a test. Who determines who like that a child is gifted at five years old? Let's get to that. And Nas said a perfect line years ago. All my people go to jail, never Harvard or Yale. Why you think that is? Because school for all people, is a pipeline to prison. I'm sorry, but if you're white, school for you is a pipeline to an Ivy League school at times. Let's just face it. I'm not saying it's wrong, because you know what, everybody here, you didn't make that choice. These are choices in a system that was created a long time ago. The thing is, most of the time, we're brainwashed to follow and continue a system, whether we know it's right or wrong. So you know what? Even though Eric Garner was my cousin, and I will continue to honor him, the real thing I stand for is right and wrong. And on that day that that happened, we all knew that that was wrong. And I'm really, you know, it's hard for me because now so many people are coming out and it's a pandemic. People don't have to go to work. What I'm challenging everybody that's still here to do is, when all of this ends, let's keep this momentum going. It is the same thing that we've been doing for years you know what happened six years ago unfortunately when my cousin was murdered the momentum was there two police officers got killed right unfortunately may they rest in peace but the momentum shifted to blue lives matter to this and that and nah it ain't about that black lives need to matter before all lives matter before blue lives matter because you know what they're protected When I walk out my door every day, I'm not protected. And I want everybody to feel that. Because everybody that looks like me, I am Nicholas Hayward Jr. That could have been me in that staircase that day. That is me. I'm just here in a physical right now. But that's why I moved the way I move. And sometimes you will never know the pain I went through. You know what I'm saying? But now, I'm not gonna allow my story not to be heard though. Because I know it might encourage somebody else to tell their story and I hope that has a domino effect. And what I'm going to challenge everybody to do is, when you leave here, call somebody you love. You know what I'm saying? And maybe have an open dialogue with them about who they are and who you see that, that they are. Because you know what? We're not really friends and family. Like, that term brother and bro and all of that is used way too much. You know what I'm saying? If we really gonna treat each other right and treat each other like family, the first thing we have to do is hold each other accountable. And when something is wrong, talk about it. It doesn't have to be in a negative way. You don't have to yell and scream. Let's articulate ourselves, let's open some dialogue, and let's make the change. We are the only ones that can do that. All of us. And I think the thing that has been a huge part of this movement that's been wrong Is that we're not holding each person with the same accountability. We are all in this together. Right now, my white friends that are my allies, I'm holding them extra accountable because what they can do is change their circles. That's it. That's where you start. And if you really don't know what to say sometimes, hold that in, think about it before you say something that might push someone away from you. Be smart and strategic. You know what I'm saying? But like we all train for marathons, this is the biggest marathon of our life right now. And if you're not about this marathon, don't be about the regular marathon. You know what I'm saying? Running is such a small part of our life. It's the micro. It's so small. But the true marathon is every day that we live our lives. Train harder to for equality and for every person to be treated the same. This has to stop where black men and women are just being killed and targeted. I've been, man, I've been thrown down by cops a bunch of times by Gowanus housing. And I lived on Pacific Street, was a few blocks away. So just walking from Gowanus to Pacific Street, I've got stopped, guns at me for no reason. So it's real out here. If you need to hear it's real, it's real. And you know what? Educate yourself. Know that there's more than the people that you're hearing about out there that's been murdered, like Nicholas Hayward Jr. So if anything, share that with somebody. Share Nicholas Hayward Jr. And let's honor him and all those lives that have been taken from us. Thank you so much for this time. I know that everybody, you know people had a probably schedule that they had to leave. I'm not about quantity, I'm about quality. But take this information and share it with whoever you know. All right, one love.
0: After Jason, we've got my coach and the head of the Brooklyn Track Club, Steve Finley.
11: Hey guys. Uh, I'm nervous. I have to get up. Uh, it's great to see everybody, and you know, I know we've been away from each other for a little while. Um, coffee, you know, uh, all the love and gratitude in the world. We've known each other since I moved here, and uh, you're, you're always there you know, to talk things out, to make things happen, so you bring everybody together. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm here today to support my friends. I'm here today to support my athletes, my my teammates, my fellow crew leaders in the city. Um, I'm also here to listen. And it's something that I've failed at in the past. I think many of us have. I moved to the city uh, a little over five years ago, um, and I found this running community. Uh, And if if somebody had asked me three, four months ago, uh, Coach Finley, what do you think about New York City running community with the crews and everything, I would have said, Man, I love it. I love it. I love the people, I love the coaches, I love the crews, I love everything about it. And uh, that's after working with a couple thousand runners, marathoners over the last couple years. You know, you work with a marathoner for 16 weeks, 20 weeks. You get to know them, you get to hear about their life, you get to hear about their kids, you get to go sometimes to their homes, you have dinner, lunch, coffee with them, you, you really connect. And I've been blessed to work with marathoners in every neighborhood pretty much of the five boroughs. I mean, I can't think of a neighborhood where I haven't met, worked with somebody through Nike, through the marathon programs, but here's my failing. It took, it took Amaya Arbery, it took Breonna Taylor, it took George Floyd for me to step back and say, man, I'm face to face with something that I didn't know existed as deep as it exists, not only in our community, our running community, but in the United States of America. I'm a white male. I don't experience the things that I've heard up here today, the things I've heard the last couple weeks. I haven't experienced it. And it's hard to hear. So how, how am I gonna say, I love this community? How am I gonna say, how am I gonna use the word love if I haven't been there to take responsibility for the lives and experiences of our athletes outside of practice, outside of the run? Love, love doesn't begin and end when your watch starts and stops. Love is about taking responsibility for the experiences, the interactions. Taking love, love is about taking responsibility for the communities and neighborhoods where our athletes come from, our own communities and neighborhoods, and more than anything, love is about taking responsibility for making sure each other get home at night safely to their families, to the neighborhoods, to their homes. And the fact of the matter is some of our groups don't have that luxury. It's not a guarantee that they're going to make it home without getting harassed by the police, getting arrested, God forbid, worse than that. Black lives matter. It's important. It's something, you know, I, i I've been so thankful to have conversations with Cheryl, with so many people in our community who are willing to open up and share with me when I should have done the reading and the educating of myself a long time ago as I'm working with so many amazing people in our community. So, I can do better, we all must do better, Uh, I'm going to take it back to my crew working with power who's continued to give us opportunities to work together in the community over the years and i haven't always taken advantage of that thank you power so much but we're going to take it back to our group we're going to keep these conversations going in the white community but also with everybody that we have in our group and i'm just really thankful and have a a ton of gratitude for everyone sharing their experiences and giving me just a moment here to talk, so thank you guys so much.
0: After Coach Finley, we've got Nova Church, who is a captain for the Bronx Soul.
12: Thank you to everybody that's still out here. I know you're probably tired, you're hungry, you're thirsty, but we're here because we know we have no other choice but to be here. All right. Literally, we have no other choice. I'm from a group called Bronx Soul in the Bronx. We do a lot of community runs, a lot of park cleanups try to really empower the people in the community to understand this is their backyard and we need to take care of it we need to take care of our mental and physical health so we're part of that movement so I, I have prepared a speech and uh, after hearing everybody talk you know I want to say everyone stole my speech basically no but um, now I'm a victim of, of stopping Chris and to me, more more times than I can count. I remember when uh, I was 18 years old. I used to work at Conway on 34th Street. I don't know if y'all remember that strip of Conway that used to be over there and down a couple years back. And uh, I had just got off the D train on the Grand Concourse, and I was on my way. I was on my way home to get changed. And it was Friday. And go hang out with my boys. And uh, as soon as I came out the train, the cops stopped me. Literally coming out of the train station, they asked me where I'm going. I said home. They said, did you mind if we search you? I said, "Yes, I do mind." And at that time, stopping frisk was prevalent, so you telling them that wasn't stopping anything. And they proceeded to go in my pockets, uh, which they found a box cut I used at work because I was just coming home from work. And uh, I told the guy, "I'm like, yo, you can't just let me off because this is, this is my, you know, it's a work tool." He said, "It's, it's a gravity knife." which is completely wrong. A gravity knife is a blade that flips out. Like old school dual blades, right? That's a gravity knife. A box cutter is a box cutter. But they used that to take me in, run me through the system, and then they had to do community service, because you want to fight, you go to Rikers Island. You want community service, you can go home. So a lot of people are copping out, taking charges that's not, they completely innocent, but freedom, Couple of days in the system, I'll take it instead of fighting, building up a trial which could take over a year. So, of course, the bail system is completely flawed. That that not, has nothing to do with my speech that I have prepared.
0: I just felt like I had
12: to share that. And we have to continue, not to beg people to help us. We have to continue to fight and lead by example, and others are going to join in on that. Because if we keep begging people, we're going to be digging deeper inside of our own souls to why nobody want to help us. What's wrong with me? That they don't see the injustice. And that can take you down a dark road. So yes, we want allies. But don't beg for nobody's help. It's enough of us out here. There's millions and millions of people right now around the world protesting in solidarity for the same exact... They're yelling George Floyd's name in London. They're They're yelling his name in New Zealand. They are yelling Breonna Taylor's name all over the world right now. So this is the biggest the movement has ever been. And a lot of comparisons have been this movement to the marathon or the training for a marathon. And it is, I've been using the marathon. Like when Nipsey Hussle passed and everybody was hashtagging Marathon Continues, I'm like, I've been trying to tell y'all that. Be resilient. Get up early. Hit those streets. Build with our team. Use other people's energies to boost our energy so we can keep moving forward. That's literally what we're doing right now. So we've been training for the marathon since 1940. So today, the marathon really does continue. And after this marathon, we recover. Like homegirl said, we recover. And we come back out again and again and again and we push our pace and we and we figure out our time and we, could, we, we train with better routes and we connect and build with better runners or better activists or better or people who are actually engaged with the community. Those are our allies. Everyone that's out here right now that didn't leave. Right? I know I would look if I was waiting till I might have But at the end of the day, y'all here. So this is showing you no matter what, people are going to come, people are going to go, people are going to come, people are going to go. And that's what it's been. Every single day there's been a protest, right? Every single day there's been a protest. What does that mean? That means there's someone going out on Saturday and they're resting on Sunday. Then they're coming back out on Tuesday or Thursday. They're balancing the energy. You go out, protest, come home do the homework, build network socially, do social media, share information, keep building, don't stop. This can't stop. That's the problem. They killed so many leaders. They made it they 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 put fear in people's hearts for them to stand up. And now I was here, "Oh, we need leaders. Where's all the leaders?" you all stupid. We are the leaders.
10: We right here. We are the leaders. We are got-
12: district who's not doing the work we had a we had a uh, a gentleman who's running for council uh in the bronx uh one of the districts and he got caught on a hot mic and he was trying to tell ruben diaz oh i'm only here because i wouldn't be here unless uh, if i didn't have an election coming up like he wanted to get on the mic and he's like yo we got a whole bunch of people they want to get on the mic But you, you know, we don't have time for you, but I wouldn't even be here if I wasn't here for the left. Like, these people are gonna come out and they're gonna tell you what you wanna hear, right? The problem may that's cool. We don't like Trump, yeah, we know that, but we gotta start local, literally, locally, and then build up, find these people in the community, teach our children to be the lawyers, to be the senators, to be the congressmen. Educate them on their rights so they can educate their friends i don't know how many people know about Mike song the rapper he's turned activist he's been part of i've been seeing him through social media but he has a book out right it's about your rights but it's for children children of color and it teaches them and me and my daughter have been reading this book and it makes me so proud to see how it all connects to what like how we need to make sure we practice our rights and we push the limits to our rights because as soon as we stop That's when they're going to loosen the screws and everything's going to fall apart again. So our job, even when we win, even if we get the equality that we feel in our heart of hearts we deserve, the maintenance has to be there. We have to continue to tighten the knots and not let these people come and unscrew them them, and the nuts get loose and the mechanics of our engineering just falls apart and then we lose a movement because we can't lose this one. Because this is probably what be the last chance we got in our lifetime to see true change. So we're gonna take this energy, we're gonna roll it up, and we're gonna do something with it. But it comes with doing it locally, come with doing the actual whole homework. And it comes with enraging yourself, too. Listen to these stories. These people dead right now, not here, not breathing right now. So remind yourself of these stories. Go back and enrage yourself so you can find that passion if you feel like you're losing it. Because at the end of the day, they're not gonna stop. The cameras are not gonna stop. We're gonna continue to see it. So we gotta keep fighting so we don't have to see that no more. So the cameras ain't capturing that. They're capturing us on vacation, sipping something nice. Instead of being in these streets having to fight
2: for our rights. Black Lives Matter.
0: And here are some closing remarks from power.
13: Just remember that's how change happens on a micro level. And the brother hit it right on our key. He said we are all leaders. We are the leaders we've been waiting for. We are the leaders we've been waiting for, y'all. You got to know that. Not believe it. You got to know that. Because for years, they've been trying to minimize us. They've been trying to control us. their media outlets but we had to go cold turkey with the COVID and you got to be able to embrace that and say you know what we're able to tap into our spirituality tap into that which connects us more that which they cannot control see right now the difference is that our souls are screaming loud our souls are saying this is wrong and you can't stand for this any longer. Our souls are our intuition. That intuition is our guide that we have ignored for so long because of the distractions that they purposefully put in our path. And they do it through all forms. They try to divide us. And we have to be mindful of that. We have to understand the tricks that they use to keep us divided. But when you tune into your spirit you truly acknowledge that powerful source of energy that we're all connected to. And you walk in confidence, my people, and everybody that's here right now. It's not about shaming someone who can't be here or someone who had to leave earlier. The same way, it's not about shaming someone who can't be out there on the front line protesting with us. This is day 17. What well, we have to do is we have to support one another with the information so that we can continue the fight on all different
0: angles and we can truly put an end to this absurd racism and this white supremacy. There's actually one more speaker after this. It was Brooklyn Track Club coach Jess Woods, but her uh, speech cuts out during the live stream, so I wasn't able to include it in its entirety here. But Jess had some awesome things to say about Ways that white people can get involved, whether it's through watching documentaries and films about black culture, uh, reading books, taking the time to educate yourself, registering to vote, all these little simple things that add up in the long run. So I'm sure if you follow Jess on Instagram, you will see that she's very active and this is something that she's passionate about. So unfortunately, she wasn't able to be included in this, but. If you follow her on Instagram, you'll be able to check out all of the different resources that she puts out there as well. So that does it. For more information about the run to protest, you can check out Coffee's Instagram page by following him at that coffee boy. Coffee, in this case, is spelled C-O-F-F-E-Y. He told me to relay the word that this will not be the only run that's happening. The momentum and conversation will continue to move forward. So you can stay up to date on future runs by following Define New York Run Club. We'll include the links to all of these in the show notes. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, and on behalf of my co-host, Leanne Sherrick, take care, and we'll see you next time.